book of Joshua. I love Joshua. What a great leader and a fantastic person in terms of his integrity with the Lord. And I want us to stand for the reading of the word. He had a statement to make near the end of a specific confrontation with people who weren't quite as inclined as he was to put God first. So he challenged everybody. And here's what he said in verse 15. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Wow. God, give us some people like this today. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You get choices, don't you? And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Thank you for transformational truth. Holy Spirit, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. My heart is for the renewal of the church. Because God knows, in light of some of the things we're watching in our culture, it's not going to be in who is elected. Uh, That's going to change the direction and focus of our nation. It's going to be in the lives of individuals whose hearts are fully turned to the Lord. And truly, the only hope left in America is for the church to be renewed and for a spiritual awakening to happen across our culture. I was watching some of the debating going on the other night, and for a minute I thought I was watching SmackDown from WWE. I thought, did I, the channel get changed on me? How disgusting and terrible that... This is the best we can produce. Uh, God help us in America. I want to see a great renewal and a great restoration happen. And we need that to be inclusive of every spectrum, all multi-generational involvement. From the youngest to the eldest, every generation needs spiritual renewal, and we need it collectively together. I want to see each generation renew. And as we move into this year of Jubilee which is an amazing thing happening here in history. Not since Jesus has there been an an alignment of all three calendars, the Roman, Greek, and, and, and Hebrew calendar, all together in sync since the days of Jesus in this year, 50th year of Jubilee. Because I, I looked at the times and the seasons in God's word. They've got a lot to say. They're not there by accident or by coincidence. And just like that, there are doors that open and close, gates upon whose hinges rest our destiny. Boy, you ought to really hang that one on your wall. Doors that open and close, gates upon whose hinges rest our destiny. One of the mighty miracles recorded in God's word was the one at the gate, beautiful in the book of Acts. There was a man lame from birth. He was there daily begging And Peter reached his hand to him and said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk and watch, because faith without works is what? Dead. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he went on leaping and shouting and running and praising God. 
um, totally restored feet and ankles. This gate was called beautiful. No doubt for that man that remained beautiful for the rest of his days. There are many gates in the word of God. Watch this in Psalm 87. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. And God made a promise to the seed of Abraham. Your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. So there's significance to the term gates in the scripture. God loves the gates of Zion more than any other place in all of Israel. He loved those gates. Those were special and still are to him today. And there's a difference between a wall and a gate. A wall keeps people out. A gate allows people in. And a gate swings open or closed. The hinge of a gate is an illustration of divine choice. We get to cooperate with God and choose to cooperate with him. And God has wired us so that one can choose to stay or to go. A gate doesn't just mean you have access to walk in. A gate also means you can choose to exit as well. And God loves the concept that people can choose to love and serve him. We get the choice, not forced to serve. I choose to serve. I get to preach the gospel. I am privileged to serve. We don't have to praise and worship. We don't have to come to church. Don't have to tithe. Remembering that every choice we make has a consequence. Don't have to glorify or be mindful of the Lord, but we choose to. God says they could choose not to, but they choose me. They choose me. Joshua put it like this. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Choose. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Anybody here made that decision? And God has associated our choices with gates at times in Scripture. When God created Adam from the clay and formed him, then breathed the breath of life into Adam, God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden, and it was lush, full of fruits and plants, a perfect climate, innumerable trees that bore fruit, vegetation for eating. They were ageless. It was absolute perfection. The climate was absolutely perfect. And God then put one tree in the center of the garden and commanded that Adam and Eve not eat from this tree. Everything else, enjoy. Go for it. It's all yours. There were hundreds of other options, but there was this one tree. And it wasn't protected behind a wall, nor was it guarded by an electric fence. God placed that tree in an accessible spot, a place where Adam and Eve could have to choose to obey God's command concerning the tree or choose to disobey him. Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God gave them all the ramifications and consequences and let them know you have a choice. Now, God could have surrounded that tree with angels and protected it. God said, no, I want to give you the choice. When you choose to obey and honor me, it thrills my heart. And I will be responding to you with blessing of consequence. And as you look at these strategic moments in God's word, gates often represent choices. 
God loves having given us freedom to choose. You are gathered together today not to worship because of governmental decree. You're worshiping out of choice. You're worshiping the Lord because of free choice and free will. You could have chosen to remain home. You could have gone to the mountains or the ocean, as some do. But here you are in church singing and worshiping because you choose to do that. And God says, you chose me today and I will bless you all week long because you chose me. We're not forced to serve God. We have choice. We are not without choice. We were not programmed to do what God would just command and we automatically respond. We serve God out of choice. Then God watches that in us when we face trials. And he watches that in us when we go through temptation and tests. God watches it when we've had a really rough week, when things have gone wrong. But we walk into the house of God and we say, I still choose to praise you saying the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We walk in with problems and struggles and say, still, I will worship the Lord. God spoke to Moses and instructed him to build six cities of refuge. A number of years ago, I did a message on this topic a long time back. And I want to revisit it for a few minutes in Numbers 35. God instructed him, he says, you will give to the Levites, you shall appoint six cities of refuge to which a manslayer may flee. These cities were geographically placed throughout Israel. So whenever people had a problem of a certain magnitude, wherever people lived, they would have access to one of these cities of refuge. Perchance they accidentally killed somebody in an act of manslaughter. They were cutting down a tree and the axe head flew off of the axe handle and killed somebody. Under the law, it was an eye for an eye. Your relative then had a right to kill the person who accidentally killed you. And the person would come looking to kill you for that accidental murder. And that, the name they gave that person who was out looking for you was called the blood avenger. Then you shall appoint cities to be cities of refuge for you that the manslayer who kills any person accidentally may flee there. Three cities on this side of the Jordan, three cities you shall appoint in the land of Canaan. So they were strategically placed, fairly easy to access. And if one accused flees to a city of refuge and enters into the gate, the blood avenger cannot touch them. You see a person living in fear and guilt and condemnation and in danger, accidentally has killed somebody, and he knows the blood avenger is out stalking him. And he wakens every day wondering, is this going to be the day when the avenger finds me and kills me. The one who committed the murder then runs for his life. He chooses to go through the gates of the city of refuge. I'm safe. I'm relieved to be here. I'm protected here. The law stated, the blood avenger could slide right up to the gates of that city. You could hear his feet as he ran to the gates and slides in the sand, but could not go past the gates because the accused had entered into a city of refuge, a place of safety, a place of comfort, a place of protection. He was safe once inside the city of refuge. So watch this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High 
shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So here we are in guilt and under judgment. And the law says we deserve to die. We deserve judgment. But if we run into our city of refuge, Jesus the Christ, we can choose him. We can choose life. We can choose grace. We can choose forgiveness and mercy. We can choose a new beginning. If we will run to him, he said, I will in no wise cast you out. So no matter what you've done, it matters not what people have said. If religion has told you you're too bad and you're not salvageable, God says, come on, run into the city of refuge. You're safe here. I will forgive you. I will protect you. I will restore you. He says to you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I will say to your past, you have no authority in here. Because you have chosen to enter the gates of the city of refuge. You have chosen Christ. You have come into the body of Christ. You have entered into his righteousness. You have access to protection through the gates of praise. You have entered his presence through the gates of prayer and repentance. You have entered into his presence through worship and a willing heart to submit yourself to the Lord. You enter through the gates of his holiness. And there is forgiveness. You're in a city of refuge. You're in a place of security. And you can hear the feet of the blood avenger come screeching up to the gates. And he wants nothing more than to get his hands on you. But he can't touch you. And that's what Christ did for you and me at Calvary. How amazing is his provision for those of us who have transgressed. Amen? For we who have violated his principles, how amazing is his provision. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound, we sang, that saved a wretch like me. There was one disadvantage to the city of refuge. It has a gate. The same gates you chose to enter the city, the same gates you can exit the city if you choose to. If you chose to exit the city of refuge, you are no longer safe. If the manslayer at any time goes outside the limits of the city of refuge where he fled, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the limits of his city of refuge, and the avenger of blood kills the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of the blood. That's a warning to us. And yet even with that warning, it's one of mercy because God's looking out for our protection. Once you enter into the safety of Christ, be careful you don't walk back out and into the life that he brought you out of. You're safe as you are in Christ. You won't be perfect, but along the journey toward perfection, there will be falls and setbacks, but don't allow sin back into your walk. Don't allow sin back into, as your default position. It will begin to eat away at your relationship to Christ to your family, to your life, to your character, to your name, to your reputation. All of it will suffer loss 
If you walk out through the gate of safety, why? The blood avenger is waiting for you to choose to walk back out through the gates. Stalking, waiting, intimidating. Today, he still waits for you to cross that bloodline so he can strike at you. Do you remember Abner in the scripture in 2 Samuel 2? So Abner said again to Asahel, turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the stomach with the blunt end of the spear so that the spear came out of his back and he fell down there and died on the spot. Well, Joab was a mighty warrior, a well-trained soldier, and he goes out looking to avenge his brother's death. He chases down Abner because his desire is, I will avenge my brother. And Abner headed into a city of refuge. Well, Joab tried to figure out, how do I get to this guy? So he spoke softly to Abner through the gates. Joab took him aside at the gateway as if to speak with him privately. But then he stabbed Abner in the stomach and killed him in revenge for killing his brother Asahel. I won't hurt you, Abner. Come outside the gate. Safe to speak with me. I'm not here to harm you. We can work this all out because we were once good friends. We can continue this. Come aside and speak with me. Let's kind of renew and restore our relationship. Come on, Abner. It's just a party. Why have you started to go to church? Come on out and hang with us again. You don't need to be there. He spoke softly, privately, disarmingly, seductively. And one day, Abner walked out from the city of refuge. And what Abner should have said, I'm not coming out there. (laughs) You come in here, but I'm not going out there. So let's turn this peer pressure we're we're finding now in our culture, this politically correct pressure thing around. We're not weird because we love Jesus. Those who don't love Jesus need to be the ones who are uncomfortable, not we who follow him. I'm not weird because I pray. You're weird because you sit there and never pray. Let's put some politically correct pressure on our culture to live right, to honor God, to honor his word, to return our nation to its foundations, and once again be God-based. So I'm not going back out there to return to those ways. No, you come in here. And the word says, Joab seduced him back through the gates, back out from the safety, and killed him. The king, David, lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. And all the people wept. And the king sang a lament over Abner and said, Should Abner have died as fools die? What a foolish thing for him to have done. And look at the consequence. Why? He didn't have to die if he had remained in Christ in the city of refuge. And here's the point. Something that all of us can relate to. You recall last year when a male African lion was shot and killed by a dentist. The lion habitat was a wildlife animal refuge. And Cecil the lion was a magnificent creature. But a hired hunting team killed a deer and tied the dead animal to their jeep and dragged the carcass of that dead animal 
through that animal refuge. They were baiting the lion with the scent of the bloody deer in the refuge. And in his refuge, he was supposed to be protected, and he was. No hunter could touch him in there as long as as Cecil remained in the wildlife refuge. But he was lured out. And when he walked out of the wildlife refuge chasing the scent of the deer, the hunter was waiting and killed him. And something strange happened shortly after Cecil the lion after Cecil the lion was killed. Cecil had a close ally named Jericho, another male African lion, and they had bonded almost like biological brothers in that refuge. And together they lived in the wildlife refuge and had their own pride and they were kind of buddies in that refuge. And he decided Jericho did to walk out of the wildlife refuge on his own. He'd never done that before. And those that operated the wildlife refuge said they concluded the reason he wandered outside of the wildlife refuge, he went looking for his friend Cecil. He missed him. He didn't understand why he wasn't there with him every day. See, once you're born again, remember, once you enjoy the blessings of forgiveness and refuge and sanctuary, then you walk back out through the gates. You might influence your brother. You might influence your sister. You might influence your best friend. Dad, you might influence your family. You need to remain in the safety of Christ because no man lives unto himself and no one dies unto himself. You don't go alone. And flip the concept. If I walk into the safety of Christ, I'm not going alone. The influence I have, not only will I be saved, so will my house So will my spouse and my brother and my sister and my children. They will all come to know Jesus. One by one, all seven sisters and four brothers of my mother's, she led them to the Lord. She went through the gate, and one by one, she led them all through the same gate. Because we are to lead like Jesus. But the warning is, be cautious of your adversary. Peter said, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. The enemy will attempt to lure you back out of the place of safety. You have the choice. You make the choice and your choices make you. And it doesn't matter how long you've stayed in the city of refuge. You still better remain there. You ought to stay there. Huh? When you're 45 and pushing 50, and you start thinking you'll never have another temptation, there's never again you're going to be living past that. Listen to me. It does not get any easier. It takes vigilance, alertness, no matter your chronological age. You need to always be alert for your adversary. I've made up my mind. I'm going to live for Christ within the boundaries of his word. The place of refuge is where there's peace, where there is joy residing, where there's life, where favor resides, and the blessing of the Lord. There's where blessing is. And I'm never going back to the place where Jesus found me. So I'll I'll conclude with David. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed out of the hand of the adversary. And once God plants you in a good church like CCC, stay planted. The church is a city of refuge. 
in this city of refuge, you can't offend me enough to make me leave. I won't take the bait. In the city of refuge, you can't gossip enough about me to make me leave. You can't put me down. If I don't get to shake hands with the lead pastor, no big deal. I come to the house of God to meet the Holy Spirit. It's there my life has changed. I'm experiencing the goodness of the Lord and of his word. I'm never going back to the place that he brought me out of. Say, I'm staying in the city of refuge. I'm not going back. I'm not backsliding. I will not go wandering, nor will I be lured by wolves in sheep's clothing. And, of course, someone will always say, well, you know, I won't stay out past the gates very long. I'm just going to step out for a little while. When he's not looking, I'll slip out. Just a few dates out there, that's all. Just a few dates, it's going to be okay. Just a few of them, not many, just a few. I know the Holy Spirit is checking me in my spirit about this, and I know his word says don't be unequally yoked together, but I'm lonely, and all my friends are dating. I'm just going to go out there for a few dates. Hey, Cecil the lion, you better listen up. Okay? The devil is passing your territory with a dead deer strapped on his bumper. And here you go out after the scent. And any time a child of God gets hooked up with a child of the devil, there's going to be trouble because you're unequally yoked. There will be problems galore in every direction because God has a plan for your life and if you believe he has a plan for your life, if you'll stay there in the city of refuge, he's got a real man for you, one with a job that has a future. God has one that will remain faithful to you, who will take good care of you and love you like Christ loves his church. You're a child of God, yet you want to date somebody who's a partier, one who sleeps around. And in today's culture, we're finding out, doing the investigation and hearing the confession of students, young ones even, they're not just sleeping around with members of the opposite sex, but of the same sex, experimenting with multiple sex partners. And why are you surprised if you fall into sin and the enemy gets a hold of you? Stay in the city of refuge. God has a Holy Spirit-filled woman for you. She will be a partner. She will dream with you. She will stand with you. You'll be with her 48 years later and still look at her and go, wow. (laughs) Have I told you lately that I love you? Yeah, Yeah. right? Amen. I do. So you see these men going through their crisis at 55 and 60, and they start unbuttoning their shirts a little more. He starts dating his 25-year-old nanny, and he thinks she's turned on by me. Listen to me. She's going to get your money, honey. Yeah. 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 She'll take you. Oh, yeah. Make good choices. You make your choices, and your choices make you. Well, just a few dates, Pastor, just just a, a couple of parties. Yep, one step at a time, closer 
to stepping outside of the gates of the city of refuge where you will be destroyed. Well, I'll have one foot in the city of refuge and one foot in the culture. That's the most miserable place in the world trying to serve God. And here's, what you, here's where you have joy in your life. When you say, I've decided to follow Jesus. Not turning back. I'm fully his. I will die to self and live to him. We serve Jesus fully, mind, heart, soul, and strength with all that is within us. You serve him with your life. That's how we worship, not just with our voices and our musical instruments and our hands raised, but also with our lifestyle. Tell your neighbor, stay in the city. city. Pastor, just a few websites, just a few. Creeping on people. Yeah. Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. Not literally, but do whatever is necessary to stop the damage in your spirit. And of course, you've got two eyes, and I know some of you, you'd still be creeping with one eye. You're so messed up. So get some covenant software, covenant eye software on your computer, and and watch what you're doing. Jesus is saying, take drastic action. Stop it. And God loves gays. He even placed them on the pits of hell. Hell's a real place. And here, Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus said, people go to hell not because I sent them there. They chose to go. They chose to trample the blood of my son under their feet. They chose to resist the Holy Spirit. They chose to say no to the voice of God's invitation. Hell was not originally made for humans. It was made for Lucifer and his angels. The everlasting fire prepared, Jesus said, for the devil and his angels. God placed a gate on the entrance of hell. And he says, you will only go there having chosen to walk over the cross, over my son, over his death, burial, and resurrection, and the church, and the gospel. And if you choose to walk over those, you will walk your way right into and through the gates of hell. And once you pass through those gates, you will never walk out. God placed gates on the city four square. There are 12 gates of pearl around that great city we're all heading for. In Revelation 21, and no one, by the way, makes it to heaven by accident. You're just going to not accidentally show up there. People die and they haven't served God a day of their life. I know he's in a better place now in heaven. Really? You don't get there by accident. No, no, no. It's by appointment. You choose Jesus Christ. Your fear of death passes. You know who holds your future. And the fear of death is then defeated. Even in death, we're victorious in Christ. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Death, where is your sting? Hades, where is your victory? We serve the resurrection and the life. But you have to choose. Hell has gates. Heaven has gates. And his presence has gates. You can come to church and choose to be here on a Sunday for one of the services and sit like a face on Mount Rushmore. Or you can come to Calvary Christian Center like this. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts 
with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures to all generations. You choose whether you get something out of this service. Your choice. Some on the row where you're seated will receive what they need from the Lord because they choose to press. Some on that row will not. Choice. You have to choose to enter. You choose to come in worshiping. And you're going to leave a different way because I came to praise you, Lord. You come in depressed and you leave joyful. You come in down and you leave up. It's up to you. Choose. Choose. I'm praying for a spiritual breakout across our nation, starting in the hearts of God's people, in the body of Christ, stirring us, and for each generation to experience God, to know the fullness of his presence, to know what it means to walk with him, to become, again, a nation that is spiritually literate. Because what we're facing today, saints, is a cultural moral collapse full of drugs, alcohol, sex outside of covenant marriage, no covenant marriage as God's defined it. And listen, you're going to face all kinds of tests and trials and challenges in the culture that we're living in. But God's not going to allow you to not face that and be able to challenge that with the principles of God's word. Those have to be challenged. And and God's not going to kill off all the good-looking people so you can stay saved, okay? Well, if those girls didn't dress like Jezebel, Pastor, you know, she shouldn't dress like that. Well, maybe she shouldn't, but it's not about her. It's about you, okay? You worry about you. It's called individual responsibility. It's what the gospel and what the Word of God teaches us and what our nation once was privilege to live by, we have individual responsibility to live our lives according to the word of God. But but we've got Christian men now saying, well, I have a heart like a hotel. I have a room for them all. No, really. This is Christianity today. Or I may be on a diet, but it doesn't mean I can't check out the menu. Okay. Listen to me. You're heading right back out that gate. In Calvary, you need to get fully into Christ. When you're fully into Christ, you don't live for the flesh. You live to please Jesus. What pleases my master, right? And then we come together in the house of the Lord and we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate the liberties and the freedoms wherewith Christ has made us free. This is our party on this planet. We didn't come to church to be sad. This is a city of refuge. We're blessed. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in our lives and families, and we're favored because Jesus Christ made the difference in our lives, and we're here to celebrate him. Choose to praise the Lord. Let's go back to Abner for a minute. So Samson stayed in bed only until midnight, and then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, listen to this, and he lifted them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron, and overlooking Hebron, with the gates on his back on the top of the hill. Samson overlooks 
where Abner was killed and buried. 2 Samuel 3, they buried Abner in Hebron. And Samson probably was thinking, I'm removing this gate. I'm fully into the Lord and I'm not going back into that environment. I've made a decision. I don't want that old life and the death it represents. I'm going to live the life that God has designed for me because he knows what's best for me. And I ripped out the gates of the past and I'm never going back there again. Whatever gate it is that gives you entrance back into that lifestyle, the lifestyle that God delivered you out of, destroy those gates. You're not going back. There's a warning if you choose to go back. For it's impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit the sacredness of his presence, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come. So anybody tells you you can't have a little heaven on earth, just point them to Hebrews 6. You can taste of the power of the age to come. What is that age? The age of the kingdom of God and of his righteous rule. You can taste that. You can experience that. But who then turn away from God. Dangerous thing to do. So when you're in the middle of this slip-sliding culture we live in, 31 times, remind yourself in the New Testament, it says, two words, in Christ. Speaking of us, in Christ, 31 times. Once for every day of the month. So anytime during any given day, out of the 31 days of any given month, where the enemy is working to try to drag you outside the city gates, you remind yourself, in Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm living in Christ. I'm conducting my life in Christ. I claim my security in Christ, inside the city of refuge. Jesus the Christ is whom I live to please, to love like him, to live like him, to lead like him, because he made me a new creation in him. And I'm staying safely in Christ. Let's stand together and give God some glory in this place today. Amen. Come on, come give God some glory. We came to worship the Lord. Amen. So if you're redeemed, let the redeemed of the Lord say it. Whom he has redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. Let the redeemed declare it. This is our prayer.